Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio. This episode sponsored by the Well Coffee House, which is a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee along with house-made pastries, breakfast and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, downtown, and Bellevue. You can get more info at wellcoffeehouse.org, the Well Coffee House, where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Vanderbilt beat South Carolina in men's basketball, 83-72. The Commodores wrap up the regular season in the SEC at 3-15 and and will play Arkansas in the SEC tournament on Wednesday. In baseball, the Commodores lose to UCLA and USC out on the road and then beat TCU in a third game out in L.A. So Vanderbilt heads back home to play Toledo on Tuesday and then will face Kentucky this weekend to open SEC play. Our guest line brought to you by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get these sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio joins me. George, hope you had a great weekend. Baseball is upon us, and thank you for being with us today. Well, the fact that baseball is upon us almost guarantees that it's a good week. Um, I'm waiting to see the weather kind of break, and it's getting close, and uh, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, I mowed the yard in 65-degree weather yesterday, which is always one of the first encouraging signs. I did yard work, which uh, I don't want anybody to faint, but that's – that's pretty good for me. Well, um, maybe a few people fainted when Vanderbilt got its second basketball win in a row. I guess those would have been some people on the South Carolina side uh, because the Gamecocks' chances to get in the NCAA tournament took a huge hit. Uh, you know, I don't know what to expect anymore, but I don't think I was expecting two wins in a row to end the SEC season against at least NIT caliber teams. So, Finally, there's a little bit of good momentum for the basketball program, it would appear. You know, you've got to give them a lot of credit for the fact that they have not pitched in the towel. And um, you don't know you don't know when that pays off necessarily. I mean, obviously it did Saturday, but in the long term, you want to believe that there's some character there. Uh, it would be so easy, especially coming off whatever it was a year ago, 0-19, 0-20, um, for, you know, when it got to 1-13 this year, for some of them to say, what's the point? What's the use? And they haven't done that. And you have to give them some credit for that. I thought the biggest part of the game, and I don't know how much people paid attention to this, there was a 4-minute and 22-second stretch where Saban Lee was out of the game. It was about a third of the way into the second half, I guess is a good way to put it. 
Saban had just picked up a second and third foul. Uh, the third was a technical. And Vanderbilt sits him down. It has a six-point lead when it takes him out. It has a six-point lead when it brings him back in. I think that might have been the key to the game was for the Commodores to keep the score even without the guy who is far and away their best player on the bench. And frankly, not a lot of support. I mean, you got Pippen, DeSue was having a good game, Evans was having a good game, but those aren't things that you normally count on. To be able to do that with him on the bench, I thought was impressive. It really is. And it also says that as the season has gone on, that they have adapted to the issues that they've, uh, you know, the hand that they've been dealt. Um, I doubt early in the year that they could have handled losing anything, um, you know, and then they're forced to lose Aaron Neesmith. And you do wonder what this team would have been with him uh, to have gotten three SEC wins without him and to, you know, really show some steam at the end. Pretty impressive. Uh, you have to give them credit. Um, for, you know, continuing to fight, continuing to deal with the obstacles and really with a minimum of whining and, and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, you have to give them some kudos there. Their last two games in SEC play last year, March the 6th, there was that 84-48 to 48 loss to Arkansas that probably did Bryce Drew in. And then the March the 9th, they go to LSU. They lose that 180-59. Then, of course, they bow out in the SEC tournament to Texas A&M. That 169-52 in a game that was just kind of ugly. Very big contrast to how they're finishing this season and how they finished last. Yeah. I mean, I think a year – first of all, I can remember vividly in the Texas A&M game, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Uh, shooting was absolutely horrendous in that game. And uh, you just never saw the zip that you're seeing right now. And good for them. Uh, again, I give them a lot of credit for that. Let's do a what if here, okay? First of all, a backcourt of Neesmith, Pippen, and Saban Lee is pretty good for just about any level. And I may not pass at Kansas or Kentucky or somewhere like that, but for most teams – you take that. So that would have been a pretty good threesome to build around. I think Lee has responded better than we knew. Pippen's been a better player than we knew. But let's throw in another what if. Let's say that they get Yanni Wetzel into grad school uh, and they keep Neesmith healthy. This could have been a more interesting season than I think any of us would have imagined. Oh, yeah. And the question is, to what level would it have been? And I'm not sure any of us really know the answer, but I see what Yanni Wetzel has done for San Diego State. Not only has he been a really solid player, but he's been kind of uh, their emotional leader, um, which I didn't know he had. Frankly, I didn't know a lot of things about Yanni Wetzel uh, that have sort of been exposed at San Diego State. The guy's a really good player, and he could have helped them tremendously. If he had played to that level here, um, who knows? Yeah, I mean, Cleavon Brown's another what-if in there, too. Now, I think that 
look, they did benefit. The SEC was nowhere near what any of us thought it would be this year. And I think that's worth mentioning, too, is part of the opportunity comes into play because the other 13 teams aren't what we thought they would have been. No, I think the league maybe has to go back to the drawing board a little bit about basketball because right now, I think the projections are that they'll get three, and if there's a fourth, then it's somebody that has to make some real noise in the tournament um, here in Nashville. Uh, That's very disappointing. Yeah, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now, which is different than Net, but it's pretty accurate in terms of sorting teams. You got Kentucky at 28 overall. I, I never remember the SEC having a conference winner that didn't finish in the top 25 of a major computer ranking like that. So that's probably a first. Auburn uh, at 34, LSU at 36. Florida at 33. Uh, right now, that's your four. Mississippi State has got a chance this week. With how it plays, uh, boy, other than that, it's just hard to see anything. Maybe Arkansas, uh, but Arkansas went 7-11 and in the regular season. I think boring uh, maybe a run to the title game or winning it all, that's just hard to see. Uh, it's just it's hard to imagine how it went as badly as it did because I still look around, I think there's too much talent for the league to be this bad. Well, it's been a very inconsistent league and nothing – exemplifies that more than Tennessee's performance Saturday against Auburn. Uh, I was really starting to buy into Tennessee. I saw some things in the Florida game, especially on the defensive end a week ago. And I was like, wow, this is impressive. Then they go to Kentucky, erase a 16-point deficit, and then lay a total stink bomb against Auburn. And unfortunately, if you look around at four or five of the teams in the league, that's sort of been the, the you know, the way it's gone. Um, Florida, I, I can't figure Florida out. I guess I still believe Mississippi State is the best of this group, um, but they don't prove that on a night-in, night-out basis. So I don't know. I. You know, the tournament sure looks like if there's going to be a fourth team that gets in, that somebody's going to have to emerge out of the rubble um, here at the tournament, make a deep run, or perhaps win the whole thing. Yeah, net rankings as of today, Kentucky 21, Auburn 27, Florida 28, LSU 29. The next team is Arkansas at 47, but I don't think Arkansas is going to get in barring a miracle. And then Mississippi State at 50. After that, you look at Tennessee at 63, South Carolina at 67. So I think those teams on the outside looking in, unless you get maybe multiple victories over those four that are going to be in the tournament. Otherwise, I think they're looking at the NIT. George, let's switch to baseball. Uh, A weird weekend for Vandy. They fall 3-2 to UCLA, then 2-1 to Southern Cal, both those true road games, and then get a walk-off walk. Carter going at the plate with a 3-1 count and nobody out in the Sunday TCU game, which was played, I think, at Southern Cal's field. Uh, and the Commodores get a walk to win that one. One out of three, not what you wanted. But more importantly, boy, some injury storylines 
coming out of the weekend, you got Austin Martin out with the hamstring injury. Kumar Rocker, don't know what his status is. I've asked. Uh, they're kind of tight-lipped on that. But he comes out in the fourth inning after walking, I believe, four and hitting two and losing that game. Uh, just didn't have command of his stuff at all. And then you've got Mason Hickman, who didn't throw. That's three first-team preseason All-Americans uh, with some pretty solid questions around their health right now. Yeah, they've got their backs against the wall right now. Um, you know, suddenly all the sugar plums of winning the national title a year ago, um, you know, you got to throw those out for right now because they're um, they're not quite that team. Now, that said, what you do in March, while it's important, uh, it's a lot more important what you do in May and June uh, when you're a team and a program of the kind of status that Tim Corbin has put together. I will say this. I've got all the confidence in the world. If anybody is going to figure it out, it's Tim. And he will get a lot of this straightened out. Um, you know, what? I guess let me put it this way. He'll get straightened out what medically can't be straightened out. Um, did I say that right? <laughs> Uh, I think I, I, I think I know what you meant, whether you said it right or not. But I mean, look, yeah, at this point, they're I think they're playing fine. But you look at the circumstances. I mean, you got three of your best players hobbled. You got yeah. really a lineup of a bunch of freshmen and a couple of sophomores who didn't play much last year because they were behind other people. Um, you know that that's a pretty good series to go in. I mean, they score. One fewer run than their opponents do, and of course they can't catch the breaks. They lose the one-run games. I mean, it's really a weird place for them to be right now because they got a lot of deficiencies. But you get those guys healthy, uh, and the season I think potentially takes a pretty big turn from there if you get all three of those kids back. Well, obviously, Rocker. I mean, you start with that. That's a big key because they've had the luxury of knowing that they've got a, a real ace somebody you can trot out there against virtually anybody and know that you're going to be in it till the end. So whatever status he is right now, they've got to figure that one out as soon as possible because all of a sudden that shifts a lot of people's roles. And the question is with Hickman in his situation, what do you do if Rocker, you know, isn't? available isn't ready isn't whatever I mean you see what the problems are there well the weird thing is that their freshman pitched really well again Schultz threw I think about five innings of scoreless relief against TCU I guess four is more like it um I didn't see the exact number but he comes in for lighter I think in the fifth and leaves for Brown I guess Brown only threw the eighth because they didn't bat or didn't throw, or I guess they did throw in the ninth. I'm rambling here. But anyway, uh, a long relief outing, let's put it that way. Schultz threw really well. Laboki was great against UCLA, and I think five innings of relief. So they're at least getting some pick-me-up from freshmen. We knew that Leiter was going to be at the forefront of people's attention, and people thought he was a real deal. He's pitched really well. But now you're getting some of these freshmen that you didn't know how they'd throw are really lighting it up and producing for them in big spots right now. Yeah, which is uh, which is a great sign on that front. 
but you're right. You, you need Rocker. You need Hickman. Um, and hopefully they can get all that straightened out because SEC play is starting, and that's uh, that's the big boy league. Kindergarten is over, and we're now into you know we're now into high school. Yeah, and with that, let's go to the mailbag, which is sponsored by Vanderbilt Fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood, who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call Josh today. 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him at Joshua Minton HQ on Twitter or at facebook.com forward slash JD Minton HQ. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. Mr. Vandy says, what are your impressions of Coach Stackhouse as he gets ready to close his first season, and do you think he'll stay around long? You know, um, those are good questions. I think the highest marks have to be for the fact that he got this team to continue to play hard to the very end. That has to be worth something. And it has to doubly be worth something based on what they were a year ago. You know, I can't think of many schools that have had to deal with this kind of prolonged agony. Oh, oh, for whatever a year ago, um, you know, whatever it was this year in the SEC, for those kids to fight to the end, he has to receive the highest marks on that front. Uh, Coaching-wise, there's a lot there, um, you know, to seem to like. Uh, it, it now becomes a question of what level can this staff recruit at and, um, you know, what kind of alignment do they have a year from now. I mean, I would assume with a straight face there's no way Candace Lee can allow Jerry Stackhouse to have a 13-person staff, not after all of the yapping about Malcolm Turner's spending. And the other thing is, and, and I don't have anything to base this on, but you know, virtually every year, um, kids at some point start saying, you know, I'm not sure I want to be here, blah, blah, blah. Season ends, and they either change their minds or, or they go. So who knows? Yeah, the transfer thing is the main thing I'll be watching once the season was over because there was starting to be some buzz about that. And look, it's hard to separate what's what's fact and fiction. I think you hear that at a lot of schools as it gets late yeah. in the season, no matter what the situation is. Now, when you're losing as much as they are, I don't think that helps. I think it, it will be interesting to see how winning two like that at the end, and who knows, maybe they pick one up or two in Nashville this week, how much that changes things. But I go back to the probably the most impressive thing about him so far. They lose Neesmith, who's the focus of his team. And at that point, you're left with a freshman point guard and Scottie Pippen and kind of a combo guard and Saban Lee where the kid has never really had, I guess, a consistent defined role. He's had to be point guard at times where I don't know if that's exactly what he is. He's had to be sort of a, a two-guard at times, where he's a kid who's not an outstanding three-point shooter. So there's always been some kind of question about where he fits. I think the thing that I give Jerry the most credit for is building his offense around those two guards where they get to the foul line a lot and make a lot of stuff happen. And look, there just really was no margin for error. When you get a DeSue and an Evans and guy – guys like that who hit some shots, then they could pull an upset like they have pulled on Saturday. But I give Stackhouse credit for being able to build around those two guards 
finding something that worked that gave them space to operate uh, because those two were really what carried them in their last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, you've you've hit kind of the nail on the head as to what they are and what they have been. The, one of the real wild cards in it is Maxwell Evans, who can shoot you in to scenarios that maybe you're not good enough to be in, like he did against LSU. And there, then there are also times with him where he can't hit the broad side of the barn and he becomes a liability. That's one of the people, it seems to me, that you know, you'd like to see get into a consistent pattern he can really help that team when he shoots. Wonders Wonders asks, what are your personal top three Memorial Magic moments that you remember? Ooh. Um, wow, that's a hell of a question. And I'm going way, way back for some of this. Um, the the F Troop, the Butch Beer, Fosnes, uh, the late Joe Ford, uh, when they clinched the SEC title against Kentucky, I was in high school at the time, and they were they were so much uh, the definition of team that that team the, the, it, they were so easy to root for uh, because they shared the basketball. I mean, they were all the things that we don't see enough of in college basketball these days. Gosh. Um, running through. Um, ooh, I tell you what, go to another question and give me just a little bit of time to think that one through because I want to come with something halfway educated. Yeah, I've got three that I've got that I'll circle back to once we get back to that question. The last okay. question I'll go to now, and then we'll come back. Vu Peary says, what kind of memorial renovation would you like to see, especially taking a balcony and the crow's nest and making large executive suites or club-level area? Well, first of all, I guess um, for me, I'll, I'll just go with a little bit of philosophy. Uh, I think Memorial Gym, when it's right, is one of the coolest venues in the country. And I think what I would like to see is for some renovations that don't destroy the magic. Um, you know, I, it, it's a real shame that there's a lot of thought of downsizing Memorial Gym because I don't buy it. Nashville is a great basketball city. And if this, if this school could get back to a championship level, you know, I have no doubt that they'd put 14, 15,000 in there a night. Um, I say that the students are, are certainly different. They don't seem to care. Um, and I guess I don't know why they should. Most of them aren't from here. Most of them aren't anywhere close to here, but gosh, th th that's one of the things that program needs is somebody to unify the students to get them on board because they can be such a huge help. And, and, you know, in the old days, they used to turn out in numbers that, um, you know, right now seem unimaginable. 
air conditioning memorial gym is an obvious that people like me who've been in there for a long see it's amazing get a five degree day that place right now can be oppressive and um that's one thing i would like to see happen yeah the students i thought showed up in decent numbers to start the year and then of course the losing happened and student attendance dissipates which is entirely predictable it just kind of goes back to a sort of a theme in general is that the student body has changed so much over the last 20 years where so many kids aren't from near here or not even from America. Uh, you get a lot of kids from China and places like that. I just think that the the demographics in the student body have really changed a lot of things, not just in terms of basketball attendance, but in terms of, I think, alumni involvement and the things that a lot of those kids care about too. Well, I think that goes to one of the important things uh, that this particular coaching staff and, and frankly, the one before it uh, didn't get at all, which is if you're going to have a 13 member staff, then one of them's got to be assigned to, um, to have that job to create an environment that um, that the students want to be a part of. Now, in the end, that falls on Jerry Stackhouse. And if he's not willing to buy in and be a part of a couple of events that involve the students uh, to try and get them revved up, then screw it. He deserves what he gets. Um, but to me, that needs to be kind of a priority in the future is that somebody on that staff, in particular, if they're going to have a 13-person staff, somebody needs to be assigned to really go after the students, spend a little money, do a few creative things, and try to get them involved. Okay, back to your Memorial Magic question, your best three. You know, um, one of them, might be the night they beat North Carolina when C.M. Newton was here. Uh, that was a, a great non-conference win. Carolina at the time was, uh, was one of the real behemoths. I also remember when, uh, when Eddie Fogler's group uh, beat Shaquille O'Neal. And um, that certainly might be one that Willie could talk to you about. I think he was on that team. Um, I think he got some minutes in that game. The whole elder Anglin, Billy McCaffrey year that they were so good in 93, uh, that gym was on fire. It absolutely was. And, um, and I would say, you know, Shane Foster's night, senior night against Mississippi state, but I would also throw in, um, when Billy Gillespie was the coach at Kentucky and Kevin and his group took Kentucky behind the woodshed and beat them here by about 40. And, um, you know, that's some pretty cool stuff right there. Yeah. My three that I was at, and I'll throw this out there first. I was not at the Shane Foster game. I was on my honeymoon. So I was not there for that one. Um, Legit excuse. 
Yeah, also I had the flu, which is great timing uh, to get the flu on your honeymoon. Um, after the resort you were supposed to be at was closed for the flu, by the way. So that was a, a double whammy. Um, my three were when Barry Goheen hit the shot to beat Louisville. And I believe it was the spring or the winter of um, 88. December of 88 or so. I think that's oh, the loudest. I, I think that's yeah. the loudest environment I've ever been in. Uh, basketball game, any sporting event, rock concert, you name it. I think that's the loudest I've ever heard a building. The North Carolina game in 87, whatever it was, when Will Purdue was there, I think would be on December that list. December of 87. Yeah, and the I remember this wasn't a great game because Vanderbilt pulled away. But the Kentucky game in 93, Fogler's last year, where Vandy, Kentucky tied for the SEC regular season championship. I believe Vanderbilt wins that by like 17, hits some foul shots to pull away. Billy McCaffrey went for like, 30 and 10 assists or something like that. And that just was when that team was really clicking, um, you know, and that Kentucky rivalry was huge and it was just so much fun. Those are the three without giving us any thought other than answering the questions that comes to us that stick out most to me. Yeah. Without having the media guide in front of us to try and jog our memory. Uh, those are some pretty good ones. I'll tell you, if, if you've got a minute, a couple of stuff on Goheen. Um, I can remember when Barry was, uh, when when he came here, and I can remember uh, asking a couple of his teammates early on, tell me about him. And they weren't all that impressed. Um, you know, when, when, you'd, when you'd watch him, you didn't see some of what was coming. Now, apparently CM Newton did. And we all had a good laugh about it later because Goheen's career, you know, came down to all these just improbable, unbelievable buzzer beaters. All of that started in Philadelphia at the Palestra. Uh, Vandy beat Penn at the buzzer. He hit a shot at the buzzer. And I remember being sick as a dog. Um, and and flying home the next day, God, I was I was hurting. But that was that was where all of that started. And Goheen had five or six of those kind of moments. Louisville being one of them. Georgia uh, with a step back three at the buzzer. Uh, the thing in the NCAA tournament. I'm missing a couple of them. But there is one he didn't make. And I was courtside for it uh, because I was, I guess I was involved in the broadcast at the time. But at Alabama, it comes down to about a 45-footer at the buzzer. And I'm telling you, from where I was sitting, it looked dead on. And it missed by an eyelash. It was the only one of these he ever missed. And I remember asking him later, I said, from my vantage point, it looked good. What did you think? And he said, it looked good to me, too. I thought it was going in. An amazing athlete. Um, and, <laughs> and yet I, I'm laughing because uh, I remember a, a Super Bowl um, 
the the Bears New England Super Bowl where the fridge scored a touchdown, and the game got so boring there were a bunch of us that ended up in a um, in a we 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 did some sports trivia thing. Goheen's rec- recollection is that he wiped me out. Mine is that I kicked his butt, and um, here we are, thirty five years later, and he and I are still arguing over that. Goheen had, from what I remember, I think it was seven or eight buzzer beaters, more or less, or, or shots that were close enough to the buzzer that basically yeah. won the game or tied it. You got Louisville, you got Penn, you got the Georgia game, you got the Pitt game in the NCAA tournament. I think he knocked off Tennessee with a series of shots and layups and things. I want to say his freshman year, and then there's a few others I just can't remember that I think were in there too. What I remember about the uh, the Pittsburgh one, I had gone to, to Memphis State at that point, and we had been eliminated the day before up at Notre Dame uh, by, at the time, the number one team in the country, Purdue. And so we had flown home from Notre Dame, and I was over at a good friend of mine, John Albright, who played at Memphis State. And... Uh, and we're watching this whole thing develop. And at one point, I turned to John and I was like, there's nothing new about this. I said, this kid has been doing this from the minute he stepped foot on that campus. And one of the things I remember on Barry is that Barry was not a guy that wanted to spend a lot of time in a weight room. And that frustrated them a little bit when when basketball season was over he wanted to get the hell away from it and he knew he knew how to handle that better than anybody i think for a while the coaches weren't sure quite what they were getting but you know after a while i think it just became whatever he wants to do Yeah, I'd, I'd say that worked out pretty well. <laughs> he was an amazing guy. And, you know, all these years later, Barry has written a book uh, about his experiences at Vanderbilt. And the book is really good. Uh, came out, I don't know, six, nine months ago. And he got me a copy of it. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, C.M. Newton and stuff that, that, you know, I, I value so much. In fact, hold on a second. The name of the book is Buzzer Beaters and Memorial Magic, a memoir of the Vanderbilt Commodores, 87 to 89, written by Barry Gogi. And the book is really good. And I called Barry after I finished reading it. And I said, hey, this thing was really well done. Congratulations, man. I enjoyed it. Well, then what happened was we got into conversation about things going on during that time. And, you know, I had an interesting perspective because I was 25, 26 years old. I wasn't all that much older than the players, but I knew a lot of things because I was traveling with the team and, and part of the radio broadcast. And Barry ended up saying, he said, I wish I'd called you before I wrote this. And I was like, yeah, I might've been able to fill in some gaps for you. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's I'm, I've been meaning to have Barry on the podcast at some point. I think I will make a point to do that sometime this spring or summer. Well, he he's a first of all a, a terrific attorney down in the Atlanta area. One of his drawbacks is he's a Cardinals fan, and so he and I go at it a lot. Uh, he's gotten more of the upper hand in that battle than I have, um, certainly last year. But uh, what an amazing athlete he was. Yeah, those were the, the fun times to watch, and hopefully at some point it gets back to that again. Well, I can tell you this. 30-some-odd years later, we all get together couple, three times a year. Will Purdue is sort of the, the lightning rod around that. And um, and we're getting together again this Saturday um, for another one of those little deals. And it's always fun to relive a lot of it. There are a lot of lies uh, that go, go into that. Some of them are aimed at me. Uh, and I'm shocked by that. George, appreciate you joining us today. Tell people about your show. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter. Chris, um, first of all, I do have a Twitter account, George Plaster TN. And um, I'm on WNSR, which is 560 on the AM dial, 95.9 on FM. If you have trouble with the signal, go to the app. Um, it's Nashville Sports Radio, and you can hear us anywhere from, let's make up a couple of places, Tupelo to, to Istanbul. Uh, it comes in clear as a bell. You know what, though? You, you, Chris, you almost have stopped me from a great story that Goheen was involved in and will Purdue. No, let's have it. Um, okay, so... Um, this has been probably six, seven years ago. And if memory serves me correctly, Will was sort of the catalyst of this thing. He sort of, if I remember correctly, kind of set up a reunion of a bunch of CM's players here. And so the, the whole festivities were going to end because it was, it was basically, if I remember correctly, done really without the athletic department. And so it was going to end after whatever game with a dinner that night at Fleming's. We had a private room, and there were a bunch of players there. And Coach Newton gets up, and uh, uh, somewhere you know, during this dinner, he says, um, this is really a, a neat deal for me. He said, I look around the room and um, he said, we have doctors, we have lawyers. And he takes this long pause and I knew he was going to do this to me. And he goes, well, even George turned out okay. Um, and then he, and then he takes this shot at me. He says, well, he says, I'm amazed you're here, given that your hockey team is playing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> when was this? Oh, man. I miss Coach Newton a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. Um, those were just yeah, some but- great times. The, the 80s and 90s just have meant so much to so many people. It's a shame to see 
how far the program has fallen from where it was because if you weren't there and you didn't live it, it's hard to imagine what it was. Bingo. Sorry to uh, to take you a little farther than you wanted, but that that thought crept through my mind, and I knew when he took that long pause, he was going to take a little rip at me. <laughs> Yeah, you guys had a great relationship. He was a great man, and again, oh, hopefully one day bad. we will see the return of some of what you and I both lived through. Amen. Let's do it. George, thanks for joining us, and I will catch you on your show, I guess, sometime Tuesday afternoon as usual. Put put it right now under TBA. Okay, I'm used to TBA. To be announced, whatever, whatever that means. Yeah, that's the... That's uh, like starting pitching these days for Vanderbilt. A lot of TBAs this weekend, and we'll see how many TBAs are, are coming up next when they play Kentucky. And uh, I guess we'll have an SEC series in the book next time you and I talk. Bring it on. Let's do it. He's George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we'll have more episodes coming your way later this week.